Well, good morning, Gateway. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Good morning, Gateway. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Um, I'm so glad I can be back with you guys. Uh, you know, uh, it seems like every time I'm with you, I got to talk a little bit about basketball because we opened up the Shady Tigers, opened up uh, defending AAA state champs. I don't know if you guys realize that or not. But we opened up uh, Tuesday night against Westside, and there's a reason I'm telling you that because when it's the first time we can be with our fans at home, um, you know, and uh, we see 2,800 in our new gym down there that opened up a couple years ago, and we're expecting to pack that place. And I promise you, when people come to the game on Tuesday evening, they're not coming into a funeral. You know what I mean? And you, some of you all are sports fans like I am. You know, I'm from Indiana, and I love my Indiana Hoosiers uh, basketball team. And uh, uh, I'm sorry, Marshall fans. Uh, sorry, we had, sorry what happened a couple of weeks ago, but we still love you. Hey, oh, no, 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 easy and easy. I like, I, I coached it against some of them kids that play at Marshall. Uh, Obi and David Early, and there's some really good ball players from around here. And I really like what uh, uh, your coach does and your team. So I, I, we, we go every year to Marshall to the summer camp, all right? Our Shady Tigers, so don't get too mad. But I will tell you right now, when that game was on, there was I wasn't sitting there like this. You know, I was at the game uh, in my room, and, and, and Phoebe's like, what's wrong with Dad? He's yelling at the TV. Yeah, I, I yell at the TV. And I can't be the only one. You all do it too, don't you? with your Mountaineers or your, or your Thundering Herd or whoever your team is, you do that. And there's a reason I'm telling you this is because this morning we begin a new series talking about the great joy of Christmas, and I get to bring you a message about the joy of worship. And the reason I say that is because I'm on a journey right now. I'll just be honest with you. I'm on a journey to understand what it means to be a worshiper of, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm still learning. I, I'm in a process. And I invite you on this process, and I want to share with you a little bit what I've understood what worship is and what it's not. And I think a lot of times we equate worship only with singing, and if we only do that with worship, we're missing the whole big picture of what God desires when it comes to worship. And I want to give you just a little bit of what the word means. Worship comes from an old English word that is broken down into worthship, that we give something worth. And when you're talking about giving something worth, you're talking ultimately, in essence, about how you define value of something. I don't know if you all have maybe entered the housing market in the last six months, but it's been kind of crazy down in Beckley. You know, I think it has a lot to do with everybody working remotely, that they don't have to be in a major city. But we have seen a lot of people move in from Miami, uh, I mean, New York, all kinds of places around Flat Top Lake, uh, where boys do a lot of uh, lawn mowing and landscaping. We've got all kinds of new people have moved in, and 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 they're they're working uh, in their Miami office at Flat Top Lake. You know that has a lot to do with COVID and stuff. But what it did, it took our housing market and defining what something is valued. Like let's say you had a hundred fifty thousand dollar home. All right, when you put it on the market, you had five offers and four of them were above your $150,000 asking price. So if you're going to define value of something, how do you define it? It's ultimately what someone's willing to pay for it, right? Uh, those that are out searching for a PS5 <laughs> right now, you know, there's some people that have snatched them up and they put them on the internet. And if it's $500, now they're asking $750 or $800, right? And you can say, well, that's wrong. And we can get into that discussion all you want. But my point is, how do you define value is what, something, what someone is willing to pay for? Now, I want to talk about your and my value when it comes to God. The Bible tells us in the book of Peter, 
It wasn't with gold or silver or precious jewels or anything like that that we were purchased back to God. We were bought back to God by the blood of his only son. That's how valuable we are to God. He sent his one and only son to this earth and gave his life up for us at Calvary so that we could have a relationship with him. Now, I don't know who you've come to worship this morning and what you've done with your worship this morning and defining value, but that God who did that for me is worth everything I have. Amen? Now, that, I think that's a pretty good definition of worship. I really do. And, and usually what we do, even in the church, well, we think like, well, we come to worship singing, then we have communion and offering, and then we have preaching, right? That's kind of how we define our, describe our service. But worship is not just limited to corporate community worship on Sundays. It's individual. It's how do we follow the Lord and how do we return something back to him as he's put such great value in our lives. Does that make sense? And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is that we're going to define through scripture and places back to the birth of Jesus, and I get the privilege of going through and helping you join me with this journey about what worship is and what it's not. But I want to specifically kind of point to something that we have been taught about a worship. How many of y'all enjoyed the um, um, Chosen series? And, you know, and go watch the show, and how many of you have bought that? We bought gifts for people, like for uh, my in-laws. I hope they're not watching. They're getting one for Christmas. You know, so, uh, um, and and uh, they'll enjoy that. I know they will. But I, I was thoroughly impressed with it. And that last episode of our first season, when Jesus is talking to the woman at Jacob's well. And, you know, she's so impressed that he knows everything about her. But if you really zone in on what the conversation was about, she says, hey, you Jews say we need to worship in Jerusalem. And we are told that we need to worship on this mountain. Where do we worship? And you remember what Jesus' response was? He says this, I'm telling you, woman, the time has come that the true worshipers of God won't worship in a building, <laughs> won't worship on a mountain. They will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Do you remember that? And what I want to do as I get ready to open up the scriptures this morning, uh, I want to plant that idea in your head of what's it mean to worship God in truth? That's been my quest. Because you got to realize, I didn't grow up in church, right? I was a heathen, <laughs> pagan. My parents, my daddy wasn't an elder or a deacon. My parents divorced when I was six, so I didn't know what going to church meant. And so I've been on this process and this journey ever since then to really truly define what worship is. And if you ask certain people and go to certain churches and say, well, our worship's just intense. It's just, you know, everybody's everywhere. And you talk to somebody else who goes to a different style of church, and they're like, oh, our, our church is very liturgical, and it's, you know, sitting there. Let me give you the best definition that I know of from a friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Jody Thompson. He's an orthodontist in Huntington. Does anybody know who, who I'm talking about there? But uh, Jody Thompson is an orthodontist, and he's a member of the Guy and Dot Church of Christ. And while I was the minister there, Guyandot was kind of a more traditional type of church, and, and they didn't have the children's ministries when Jody was growing up like we do in children's and youth. Do you, how many of y'all remember going to church, sitting on a wooden pew, and sitting by with your family, and you did not move for an hour and a half or two hours? How many of you that? Okay, good. All right, you're, 
you'll relate well to this story. Jody remembers when he was four or five, and they always sat up to the front. No one sat in the front pew, you know, because the front pew had the most cushioned seats in all because no one ever sat there. But they sat in the second one, right? And it was him and his mom and dad and his siblings, and he was the youngest one, right? And so he was kind of in the middle between the other siblings so they could kind of keep an eye on him, right? And he started having issues. Well, you all know when your children were acting up in church, the first thing you got was the look from mom, right? The death look, like, stop it now or I'm going to take you out and I'll make another one look just like you, right? That's kind of what mom kind of looked like, right? The, so after the look came the move. You all know the move? That's when you had to go sit right next to mom, right? Now, you know what the third thing was, right? The third thing was getting carried out and you knew what was getting ready to happen, right? Well, Jody couldn't control himself. He went past the look. He went past the move. And Daisy picked him up and started carrying him out, walked down the center aisle. Now, remember, he's only four or five, but he's been going to church with these people all his life, right? And he's looking at him, and he starts yelling, help me, help me. She's going to beat me. <laughs> you know? and so that's just one of the best stories of all time, you know. And if you grew up in a church like that, you know exactly what was going to happen. But he's looking at his church people like, you're going to let her beat me, you know. What's wrong with you people? And... Uh, and I guess what I'm trying to help us to understand is this morning is when we open up the scripture in Matthew chapter 2, and if you want to follow along, I've got it here on my phone. I'm not checking scores or shopping online or whatever you all are doing right now. I'm actually reading. <laughs> I'm not Kroger click listing it right now either, okay? Well, look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1, and just follow along. and It's on the screen here too. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, uh, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, it rose, and we've come, and here's our word, to worship him. When King Herod heard that he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him, when he called together the people's uh, chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, and in the land of Judah, by no means are least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out uh, from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go. And there's our word again, worship him. Just a couple more verses. It says, after they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen, it rose ahead of him until it stopped over the place where the child was. Listen to verse 10 closely. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming into the house, they saw uh, the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And they opened up their treasures and presented him with gold, gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. You know, we see back to the story of the chosen, that, that imagery of Jesus talking to that woman. He said, I'm telling you, the time has come when true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth. I want to talk about truth for a second. And when I talk about truth, I want you to understand where I'm coming from. I am not here to step on any toes. I'm aiming for your heart. All right? So give me a little bit of liberty as I go through this. You know, I believe 
And the reason I'm a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and a part of the Christian churches, Churches of Christ Restoration Movement, is be, I believe that we are as close to biblical truth as we can find on the face of the earth. If I believed another movement was closer to biblical truth, I'd be a minister of those churches. Does that make sense? So I, I value truth. I hope you do too. I value truth. That's one of the reasons we take the Lord's Supper every Sunday. Because we find precedent in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, that on the first day of the week, the church gathered together to break bread. I value truth in that we, one of the things we value as a church is the apostles' teaching, the New Testament, the Bible. And so whatever we teach and preach better be backed up in the Bible, right? Well, when it comes to the teaching of worship, guess where I turn to when I wanted to be a worshiper of Jesus? The Bible. And I want to tell you that the Bible that the apostles were using was not the King James Version, <laughs> was not the NIV, was not the New Living Translation. It was the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, as we refer to it. And in the Old Testament, I'm going to, this is kind of funny because Steve knows, who's the least person on the staff who knows nothing about technology, Steve? Thank you. All right, but I want you to all pull out your smartphones with me, and I want you to Google with me, all right? We're going to do this together, all right? Look, Google, see? I even got that pull up, Steve. And I want you to type in the search bar. You know what that thing is, right? Type in Hebrew words for worship. Hebrew words for worship. Should pull up something like this. The first one on mine says, what is worship? Dwell community church. And then the second one down says nine Hebrew words words for worship and how to use them. Do you all see that? Go ahead and click on that and let that download, and we'll get back to that here in a second. So when it comes to the idea of what it means to worship the Lord, it just makes sense to me that we go to the Scriptures, right? And when I went to the Scriptures, and I'll be honest with you, I am no Hebrew scholar, okay? Hebrew, when I was taking it at Johnson Bible College, was 7 a.m. on Saturdays. Do you think I was ready for Hebrew at 7 a.m. on Saturdays? Would you be ready for Hebrew class at 7 a.m. on Saturdays? No, you wouldn't either, all right? But I know this enough about Hebrew. It's the time of year that we're all kind of flimmy, right? Aren't you all flimmy right now? You got nasal drip and, you know, be careful because now everybody thinks you got COVID. But I'm just saying, you know, it's this time of year, you know, you get that drips and all that stuff. Well, you would be a good person to speak Hebrew at that time because a lot of the Hebrew words go, you know, that's just how you got to do it. And you're going to speak a little Hebrew today, all right, with me, okay? And, and I want you to look at the first word on that list. Go scroll down. You see how I'm scrolling, Steve? Look, I even know how to do that. You scroll down, and it gives you nine words here. And we're going to just look at a few of them. So if you think I'm going to preach on all nine of them and you're buckling in, you're going to miss the whole point. I want you to look at the first one and just say it with me, halach. Halach, all right? And notice, it says to praise, celebrate, boast, and even the word rave is here. Don't tell the teenagers, all right? I'll go off the chain <laughs> with, with Philip today. To boast, celebrate, rave. What's that mean? What's that look like? If you're from the Christian churches, churches of Christ, <laughs> background, would you describe when you were growing up as a child that when you went to worship, it was boast, celebrate, and rave? 
Would those be words that you would describe in corporate worship? No. You know what word I would describe in corporate worship? A funeral. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, can we, be, can we keep it real as the kids would say? Because notice, when we're talking about worshiping God in truth, that word truth is really talking about authenticity, being authentic, right? As the kids would say on my team, keeping it real, bro, or brah. All right, it's really more closely termed to that. And, and, and when we're going to keep it real, it, when it comes to what we've been taught about worship, it was more about revere, sit, silent. Am, am I close? Right? And, and pray to God that you stay awake. Yeah, because they didn't have comfy chairs. You fell asleep and you fell forward. You banged your head on a wooden pew, right? Right? I mean, it's a terrible joke. You ready for a terrible joke? You want a terrible joke or you want me to go on? You're, okay, all right, it's your choice. All right, you heard about the guy that died and went to heaven, right? And he's walking around with Peter. I don't know why Peter, he must be busy in heaven, right? Every joke you hear about in heaven, Peter's always in it, right? And he's walking people by, and there's a room, and there's people, woo, hopping down, hollering. And he goes, who is that? And he goes, that's the Pentecostals. And he goes, wow, they look like they're having a good time. He goes, down, the, down this hallway, and there's another door, and there's people just sitting there, right? And they've got their Bibles out, and they're going through all this liturgy, and they're reciting stuff. And he goes, who's that? And he goes, that's the Methodist. He said, oh, look at them there. They're going through the liturgy. Goes down one more door, and there's people back there doing this. He said, who's that? He goes, shh, it's the Church of Christ, and they think they're the only ones here. All right, so <laughs> it's a terrible joke. <laughs> and some of you still have your arms crossed. I told you, I thought it wasn't a great joke, all right? All right. But my point is, is that that's the way a lot of us grew up. And I'm not saying it's all wrong, but I'm saying if we're going to truly be authentic and go back to the Bible when we say that we're people of the book, right? That's what the Christian Church, Church of Christ people say. We're people of the book. And then go back to the book when it comes to worship. Because the word, the first one, halah, means to boast, to celebrate, to praise. I promise you, on Tuesday night, the first time our fans get to come out and celebrate their AAA state defending basketball team, they're not going to come in like this. We're going to have to reinforce the rafters because they're going to get to celebrate the boys and the boys will get to celebrate them, right? And we know how to celebrate even if you're not a sports fan. When the Black Friday ads came out, ladies, you were doing backflips. You had your husbands go down and buy papers. When's the last time you had to buy a paper? Right? So we know how to celebrate. We know how to get excited about things. We know how to celebrate a baby. We know how to celebrate a birthday. We know how to celebrate. We know how to do this. But when it comes to the idea of worship, what we were taught doesn't always align with what Scripture says. Now, be careful. You say, well, Russ, that's not all there is to worship. You're right. But this is one of the ways that the Hebrews define the word worship. Look at the next one, if you will, on our list. Yahda. Ready? Yahda. I told you you're going to be flimmy. All right. means to give a sacrifice of praise. Now, you talk to Christians right now, and you ask them what they're sacrificing well, I give an hour and a half, well, it depends on the preacher, an hour and a half of my week to go to church. I have to. You ever heard this? I have to go to church. Mm -mm. Still a free country. 
No one's holding a gun to your head. Go to church. No one's doing that. Now, if you're a child, you might be struggling with the drug problem because your parents are dragging, drugging you and dragging you on Sundays and Sunday nights and Wednesdays. You're being drugged. You're, it's not your choice. But everybody else in here right now should have been here because they want to. You know, sacrifice is a hard thing to talk about in a country that is so self-absorbed. Sacrifice means that we do something for sake of others. Yachda. Look at the next one. Shabach. Say it, Shabach. Soothe, boast, pronounce happy, announce with a loud voice. No, shh, be quiet. Don't you move. All right? Oh, I had, I had uh, Yada and, and Toda uh, backwards. I'm sorry about that. Forgive me. I told you I'm not a, Greek, uh, a Hebrew scholar. What about Yada? Let's look at that one in one more. The root word is Yah. Hand cast, show point with the hand. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a reason I worship up here all by myself. Two reasons. One, I'm a terrible singer. Awful. I mean, good thing that these, have, these people have earpieces in because I'd be throwing them off. Awful singer. Number two is, I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but I'm the biggest guy you have on staff. I've got some long arms. And so when I put these arms up to praise the Lord, yada, him, I'm blocking out a lot of people. <laughs> so I'm by myself. And I don't know how comfortable you are with the arm raising, but do you realize we're taught to do this? We're taught to do this just as much as we're taught to go to the communion table. Same Bible. And I'm, what I'm trying to help you with is that you may not be comfortable with the arm raising. Okay? I wasn't either. I remember the first time I did it in public worship. First thing I did was, yep, I did deodorant. I mean, you do that too. Don't you act like you don't. All right? So I wanted to make sure I was good that way. And then the other thing was I started focusing on what, what do people think if I raise my hand? This is the problem that we have with worship. Our worship is, and we say phrases like this, what if they think, what are they going to think if I clap or say amen or yeah, preach it or whatever, raise your hand in worship, whatever you do. We'll, we'll do the things like this. What will somebody think? Are you, am I trying to show off? Listen, you're to worship an audience of one. And, and I'm not here, don't take this the wrong way. I love you all. But I'm here to worship God. And what you think I did or didn't do, is whether it's respectful or not respectful, at least I'm not David. You didn't see me run around my drawers this morning, did you, in worship? Okay? And my point is this. When I come to worship, if I'm going to worship in truth and authenticity, i got to be myself. And I don't know about you all, but the first time I raised my hands in worship, I felt like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. <laughs> do you all remember when he had his interview and he, he was I'm not really sure what to do with my hands. And I don't know if you go to hold the baby or the dog or rock the baby or, you know, do your hands go here? Or do they go here? Or how high? Is it one hand? Is it two? Now you get a little sway going on. You know, what do you do? I, I don't know. But I know what the scripture says. 
that Yadah says I need to point towards. I need to point towards. Now, we use the Bible to teach everything that we do, but when it comes to worship, I just don't get it. And I'm not just talking corporate worship. Now I'm raising my hand in the car if I'm singing. One hand still on the road, so I'm on the wheel, so don't get nervous. I mean, what am I ashamed of? What you think? I stopped caring long ago what people think. <laughs> I don't want us to be a good example for Christ, but as long as I'm not being disruptive, as long as I'm not trying to take away from anything, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him how much I love him. You know why? Because if I can do that for the Hoosiers, if I can do that for my kids when they're playing sports and I'm that parent, that's me. Go. Then I, why can't I do it for my God? Remember how valuable I am to him. I'm going to lift him up. It's taught. The Hebrews taught each other how to worship. And in the Christian churches, churches of Christ, we say, we just come to worship. You'll figure it out. That's foreign to me. So I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey to rocking the baby, to one hand, two hand. Got the guns out sometimes. Got the hand doing this, high-fiving God. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm not really concerned if you think what I'm doing is inappropriate or not because my worship is not geared for you. It's geared for him. And I want to help you with that. And, in, and, in, and if you're fine and not raise your hand, that's okay. I'm not judging you. Here's the greatest thing. I'm not judging you. But don't you judge others that do. So I want to free you up in worship. I want you to understand that when you go back through, and I didn't get to go through all of these. And all of these are used in different places, but they're mainly used in the book of Psalm. The other part of what Jesus told her was not only worship in truth, you are to worship in spirit and truth. And that spirit is a small s referring to our spirit. And I want to kind of leave you with how I sum up the entire journey of worship for me. Jesus' disciples really only asked Jesus of one thing when he was here. Do you realize what the one thing he asked them to do? Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. That's what they asked him. And you know, and he gives the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. But then there's another place when he's praying that he's teaching them, when you pray, go into your room and pray, and pray to Abba. It's a Hebrew, it's an Aramaic word. Abba literally translates as poppy, daddy. That's how we are to reach out to our Heavenly Father. That's how our spirit should reach out to His, calling Him daddy. And I want to give you this visual. You all know Karen Taylor. You know, you all took them from us, from Beckley, and moved them up here. I'm not, not bad, bitter or nothing. I love you all. You can have Karen and Taylor, but you took Ridge, their boy. That's their son, but I don't have him that age anymore. Mine don't come into the house and go, Daddy, anymore. But when I see Ridge and he sees the big guy, you know what Ridge does? 
You know what he wants me to do? Pick him up. And I can't help but think that Rich not, Rich not only does that to the big guy, he does that to his mom and dad wherever, you know, he goes to daycare, I think, here now. You better be good. I'll come get him. But I, I'd be willing to bet you when Karen and Taylor go pick up Ridge, you know what he does? Did anybody teach Ridge how to do that? Hmm. Because Ridge is reaching out for his daddy. I, I'm not trying to hold a gun to your head and say everybody has to do this. But when you're worshiping an audience of one, and he is to be called Poppy, Daddy, then why can't his children just lift him up? I'm not calling you out. It will be awkward for you the first time you do it. You will have anxiety. Wear dark clothes so you don't Give me a helpful advice. But when you get to the point when your worship is no longer centered on others or yourself, because this is another thing we do in worship, and I just want to say this real quick. We judge whether we like worship if we connected to the songs or the sermon. And we'll say this when we leave. Worship was great. I really enjoyed it. Then who did you go worship? God or yourself? But when you lift up Poppy for the first time, something happens. It happens not magically or mysteriously. It happens because it's what we are called to do. Yachda. Tohda. Allah. All of those were taught to the early worshipers of New Testament Christianity because the, new, the very first Christians were who? Say it, Jews. And we do a lot of the things the Jews did. We didn't come up with baptism. You know, the Jews did that. Now, Christian baptism is different from them, but they, they were the ones baptizing. We do a lot of things, and we follow them up in Scripture, but when it comes to this issue, don't touch that issue because you're going to offend somebody, Russ. Now, I want to free you. I want to introduce you to Daddy. Pray with me. Poppy. Father. Lord. There's been times when I've been in corporate worship and it feels like I'm just face to face with you. And whether it's through a song that really moves my spirit to connect to your spirit, and we have tremendous worship leaders, Steve, Karen, and Taylor, as they plan our services so that the songs will tie to the messages and the messages will tie to you and we can come to you and you can come to us and we can have this meeting time. Thank you for them. Because that's really their job. They're, they're doing their best to draw people's heart to your heart. 
prepare the hearts for your word so that those who have ears to hear will hear and you'll set the captives free. And Lord, you know me personally that I'm still on this journey with you. I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm still learning what it means to be a worshiper of Jesus. I want to thank you for your word that points us to you and what we are to do. So we lift you up, Lord. Bless those who have decisions to make. Maybe today they want to be a part of this church. Maybe they want to follow Jesus for the first time. Maybe they want to rededicate their life. Maybe they just want somebody to lift them up. Whatever it is, God, we worship you. Bless the decision time and those who have decisions to make. I pray in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship. I want to